Good morning, everyone. For those of you who may not know me, I'm Pastor Daniel. And I really want to, I really quick want to give an update on what we did last week. So last week we had an opportunity to give towards the refugees in Ukraine. And I want to, this excites me because I want to brag on you guys a little bit. In a moment's notice, you guys gave over $3,300 to go over to Ukraine to help these refugees. I want to say for Pastor Jordan and myself, we are so proud of you guys. And we are so grateful for your hearts to give. $3,300. The pastor over there in uh, Moldova taking on these refugees said that he had originally received an influx of 40 refugees. 40 groups of people coming in to his church. Now they've got about 20 refugees that they're housing at their church. But he said it's kind of a lull right now with the situation and things going on, they're preparing for more. They're gearing up, getting ready. Uh, but I'm so grateful for your guys' heart. For anybody who didn't get a chance to give last week, um, we are going to be giving some more relief to Ukraine through another organization called World Compassion. Pastor Jordan and I had talked about it beforehand. Um, we wanted to give money out of the church's general fund. That's, that's you know, what was on our hearts. So we've got an amount that we're going to send over to World Compassion. If you want to give, I've already talked to some other people, we're going to take that money, we're going to throw it on top of what we've already set and planned from the church, and we want to give as much as we can to help these people. Uh, Pastor Jordan, he often says you know, that I've got, I'm involved in the finances and, and helping run the finances. So I've got a little bit different perspective than most people on what happened last week. The stack I took in from you guys giving to Ukraine was like this big. I mean, there was so many people who gave and contributed, and it just it, it touched my heart. So again, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for what your heart is for the world, for the kingdom of God. We're continuing in our series about serving. So this morning, the series or the sermon that I'm, I'm going to be preaching is called, uh, called to contribute. We're all called to contribute in the kingdom of God. And uh, y'all answered the call last week. You answered the call that God was placing forth to help meet the needs of these people in Ukraine. So if you'd open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians 5, 13. I forgot one key piece of information. If you're going to give today for Ukraine, please just mark on that envelope, Ukraine. Just write anywhere on there, Ukraine, whatever amount is in that envelope is going to go right over over to World Compassion. They've actually got 80 different churches, they've got connections in that region that they are helping take on refugees, helping bring in people from Ukraine. So it's a really cool thing. All right, Galatians 5, verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful that we can come into your house today. We're so grateful that we can come and hear your word. Father, I pray that your word goes forth as seed into our hearts to produce fruit in our lives. We open our ears right now to receive what you're saying by your Holy Spirit this morning. Father, I thank you that we go forth empowered by your spirit to do the work of your ministry, Lord. Amen. All right. I had to chuckle when I read this scripture 
Because it says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And kind of a weird thing to laugh at. But in our house, we try to allow a lot of freedom to our children. We feel like that the more responsibility and the more freedom they have in different things, the more they grow, the more they're able to you know, be self-sufficient and, and take on things. So my wife and I were talking about this sermon, and we were talking about this freedom. I was, I was like, Jess, what are some of the stories from the boys that, uh, that didn't end up going so well, where we've, we've given them freedom in something, but it was not a great thing that ended up. So we were talking about lots of different stories. I had like three different stories I had prepared. The latest one was Christmas, where they destroyed the Christmas tree and destroyed my mailbox on the first day of Jalen's Christmas vacation. I did not think the house was going to survive Christmas because Jalen was doing his thing. But in true fashion, whenever you're preparing a sermon, something happens during the week that ends up being right in line with what what you're talking about. So I was all set to tell these stories. And I came home Thursday, and I got a new, thir- new story. So Jess was preparing the house to, for my son's birthday party here on Friday, right? So she had to mop the floors in the kitchen. She had just got done mopping all the floors, and it was just Samuel at home. Got done mopping all the floors. She had something she had to quick take care of downstairs on the computer. So she says, Samuel, you can play with the mop. Do not touch the water bucket. Okay, so she just got done mopping with the water bucket. He asks, why? Because you do not need to be touching the water right now. i got to get the house ready. You can play with the mop. So she goes downstairs. She's working away, taking care of whatever she needed to take care of. And she hears Samuel upstairs, and he's having a grand old time. He's singing. (laughs) He's dancing. He's talking to himself. I mop it over here, and I mop it over there. He's going to town. She comes upstairs. And a question formed in her lips that gets asked a lot in our household. What are you doing? (laughs) He had taken the entire mop bucket and dumped it in the floor and was mopping with the dirty water across all the floor. So I walk into the house and Jess says, stop, do not move because all the water had been spread everywhere, so I couldn't walk anywhere. Samuel was pinned in the living room with all the furniture that, you know, the chairs and the dining room table and all that stuff in the living room to keep him from getting into all the dirty water. So that was an opportunity for the flesh for Samuel because of the freedom that we've given him. You know, the Bible talks about how David didn't ask Absalom the question, what are you doing? I think that question is asked way too many times in our house and that some things might need to change here a little bit. But it's an opportunity for the flesh. This morning, I want to take Galatians 5.13 and break it down a little bit because I see three things about serving in this scripture. The first thing that we see about serving is that serving is birthed out of freedom. Freedom may be an opportunity for the flesh, but real freedom births serving in our lives. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. 
You know, freedom's an interesting thing. And I think in this world that we live in today, it can be defined by a lot of different things. But I would say this, freedom's not defined by a government. It's not defined by a political party. Freedom's not defined by a society or a culture. It's not defined by a dictator. Freedom is only defined by Jesus Christ. True freedom only comes from the work that he did in our lives at the cross. You know what I find funny about this scripture? Is the first part, it says you're called to freedom. What does it end with? Go serve. Now, if we all were paying attention last week when Pastor Jordan was preaching, what was the definition of that word serve? It's a slave. You're free, now be a slave. Does that sound a little contradictory to you? Does that sound? That's kind of how it goes in the kingdom of God. Because the way we naturally think in our natural man is not the way the kingdom of God works. If we want to be the greatest, we're supposed to be servant of all. If we, out of freedom comes serving. See, Galatians 5.1 says this. It says, for freedom... Christ has set us free. Jesus is the sole source of that. What's interesting in the Greek is the combination of the noun freedom and the verb free. Now, please bear with me for a minute. I see your eyes rolling in the back of your head when I start talking about grammar. But the combination of freedom and free talks or speaks to the complete work that was accomplished when Jesus did it. I heard a minister say it this way. When he died at the cross, his work of salvation was completely complete. In that moment, our complete freedom from everything that we face was purchased. In that moment, our comprehensive freedom was bought. That freedom is what produces our serving. We were set free from sin and death. The whole context of Galatians is talking about something interesting. So he's addressed, Paul's addressing the Galatian church. And he's telling the Galatian church, you were bought out of sin and death. You were brought into the freedom that is found in Jesus. See, there's a problem, though, because you have people coming into your ranks telling you, you've got to be circumcised and you've got to, be, got to live by the law. There's one problem with that. The law never brought freedom. So they went from being in bondage to sin and death, being set free, to now seeking to be in bondage to the law. The word for freedom here in Galatians 5.13 speaks about this concept called manumission. Manumission is the setting free of a slave, but it had something very interesting in the Greek culture. So the concept of manumission was actually a slave being bought by a god. So what would happen is this, is this master of this slave would go to the temple with the slave. He'd pay the amount for the slave to the temple of whatever god this may be. At the temple, they would write a note for this slave that said, for freedom, and give it to that slave. Here's the key. 
that slave could never be enslaved again because he was the property of that God. See, Jesus took and he paid the price to buy us out of the slavery to sin so that we would never be able to be enslaved again. So what Paul is saying is he is saying, what are you doing? There's that question again. What are you doing? You were bought out of freedom. No one, no thing, no position, nothing can enslave you again. But you're seeking to be enslaved by the works of the law. You're seeking, serving, gain salvation through what you do. See, serving is not works. Serving is a the expression of the transformed heart from which he purchases out of sin and death. That's where serving comes from. Man, I get excited about that. When I saw that definition in that Greek word, never to be enslaved again, that means we are completely free forever. The second thing we see here in this passage of Scripture Excuse me. I want to jump into something before we jump into that second point. I want to jump into the mark of freedom. How do we see freedom in our lives? See, the mark of freedom is being led by the Spirit of God. Paul begins to, after he makes this statement that you're called to freedom, he begins to tell you how to live in freedom. It's either living in the flesh or living in freedom. To live in freedom is to be led by the Spirit of God. The first thing we see about being led by the Spirit of God is that we desire to hear His voice. We desire to obey and listen to His promptings. When I think about this, I think about a couple things. For me, it was very much when I would come to a decision, I, I got this. I'm going to figure out how to make this decision. I'm going to figure out how to execute this. I know what I'm doing. I know where to go. Being, that's being led by the flesh. That's independence from God. I've got this. But when we come up on a decision to be led by the Spirit is we stop. Lord, what is it you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I had a situation arise this week. My wife and I, we've got a decision to make. This popped up. The first thing we did as a family, God, what do you want in this situation? You know how else I hear from the Lord? How I hear, open, open up my heart to hear? Is I pray in the Spirit. I pray in His Spirit because what it does is it gets me in tune with where and what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. It opens my ears. So the second thing about being led by the Spirit is it is a desire to obey the Word of God. Our hearts have to be set to read the Word and obey. We, I did not become familiar with being led by the Holy Spirit until I dug into His Word more and more. Because the word, the Spirit speaks through the Word. He directs our lives. He teaches us how to live through the Word of God. And the third thing about being led by the Spirit is discernment. We must discern between our subjective emotions and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's far too common in Christianity today to do what we want to do, to be led by what we feel in our emotions instead of being led by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know what? When we say our desires 
are what God told us to do, we profane his name. It's a scary spot to be in. It's something that we all have to grow in. But you know, the, the biggest thing that decides that, that discerns that for me, is the word of God. Because in his word, he said, the word divides asunder the soul and the spirit. He cuts our emotions on one side and lays bare what is really his desire and his promptings on the other. When we go to the word, it, it pierces our hearts and it reveals what our true motives are inside. So freedom's marked by walking in the spirit. Now we're going to move on to the next point. The next point is found at the very end of the verse 13. And it says, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So serving is motivated by love. The whole purpose for serving is love. What's amazing about this, again, to go back to what Paul was saying to the Galatian church, is they're sitting here trying to come under the law of works, and they've already been given a higher law, the law of love. Jesus said it himself. On loving the Lord your God with all your heart and loving others as yourself, all the law and the prophets hang on this. It fulfills beyond that because it's love that motivates and gives. Jesus was the perfect model of this. Philippians 2 says that he poured himself out and became a man. He came and and became a servant to all of us. He set himself to serve the will of the Father first, to serve through love to the Father. Then he set himself to serve others. He was motivated by that pure love for the Father to model for us that perfect servant. You know, when I think about the love of God and and receiving a greater revelation of the love of God, one thing that really affected me was looking at the picture of the crucifixion and, and looking at what Jesus really suffered for me. You know, the Gospels, they give a certain picture of things. They they give you the facts and in the timeline of what really went down. But what's amazing is that the Old Testament really gives you deeper pictures of what was really going on. So what I look to is I look to Psalms 22 to see what Jesus was really going through, of what was going on in his heart. And in those scriptures, as you sit and you read through the detail of what was going on in his heart, the reject we experience rejection in this life. But Jesus experienced a depth of rejection that no man has ever known because the Father had to turn his back on the sin that he was carrying. He experienced that rejection from the Father that shows the love he had for you and I to come to this earth knowing what he was going to suffer and serve us so that we can be brought back into that relation. That's the love that motivates us to serve You know, we talk about love. Another thing we see with love is that we see commitment. Love is expressed in commitment. Jesus said it himself. He said that I will never leave you or forsake you. God, you can see that commitment in the opportunities that he had as he went through his journey here on the earth. When Satan was tempting him, he could have exerted his authority 
when he was hanging on the cross, he could have called the angels. He had the opportunities in Gethsemane, all these different times and different points in his life. He had the opportunity to exert his authority, but instead he was committed to love, to serve us, to pour out his life to death so that we could be brought back to the Father. Love is about commitment. That's why the Bible uses the picture of marriage to talk about Jesus and the church. The marriage is a commitment. Despite what society says today, despite what you see modeled in our culture, biblical marriage is commitment to one another. That's why we become one flesh. Jesus committed to us, to love us, no matter what. You know, Pastor Jordan and I were having a conversation the other day, and we're talking about a subject that is often associated with love, right? And that's passion. I'm getting old. I said the other day, and this was like a year ago. He's like, do you feel like you're passionate? Um, so anyway, we're talking about this conversation of passion. He's like, do you feel like you're passionate about what you do? To me, I associate passion with emotion. I look at it as, hey, this, you, you're exuberant and you express all this emotion with things. And we began to talk about passion, and he said to me, well, what about Tom Brady? That was before he retired. But he said, would you describe him as passionate about his work? The commitment he makes with his eating, the schedule, his lifestyle, what he does and what he doesn't do, how he does all these restrictions to be able to be the best quarterback that he could be for as long as he possibly could. I said, well, I could see that. As passion, it completely shifted my concept because commitment and faithfulness are the expression of passion. It's not just about emotion. When I think about faithfulness, Pastor Jordan always references Pastor David. I think about Pastor David. That man is faithful. He is passionate, and he loves God. He is doing what God, what God has asked him to do in this moment because he's committed to seeing lives changed and seeing people's hearts changed. He's committed to what God's called him to. I think about another, another group of people. I think about the intercessors here in our church. People who have been praying a lot longer than I've been alive. People who have been consistently praying for this region, for God to move in this city, in, this, in Billings, longer than we've been a church. People who are faithful, consistent, committed. They're serving, motivated by their love for the Father. There's one last thing about love I want to address here real quick. See, love has to be protected. Our motivation to love must be protected, especially in this day and age. See, when motivation isn't protected, it's easy to allow criticism to arise We stop looking for the good in other people, and we begin to focus on the negative and the bad. It's really easy to do that with our bosses. When our motivation to love wanes, our focus begins to be on their faults and magnifying their faults instead of that posture of love that allows and focuses on the good things, their strengths. It's easy to do with bosses. It's easy to do with our spouse. 
when that motivation of love to serve our spouse wanes. It's easy to do with leaders, maybe pastors. I get it. I'm speaking to myself. It's easy to allow that motivation to go, but what happens What happens to me in particular when this happens, I, I, can, I will have times of prayer where I'm just complaining to God about a situation or somebody. Have you ever, have you ever had that? Don't look at me so righteous. You, I can just go off and just every fault of this particular person. And as I'm doing that, God's patiently standing there, waiting, letting me get it out, letting me vent. And all of a sudden, a thought will drop in my mind. But what about this? I was having this conversation with somebody this past week. And that's when the conviction of the Holy Spirit hits. And I realize this log sitting in my own eye. And I'm complaining about this little bit of dust in somebody else because I've magnified it so big in my own eyes because I lost the motivation of love. What happens when we lose this motivation of love is we lose our unity. We as a body of Christ, we, you as a family are called to unity by the Spirit. And when we focus on the negative things, sacrificing the motivation of love, we lose our unity and we lose our service. It becomes all about me. There's a third thing here in this verse. I want to jump to the very beginning. And it says this, For you were called to freedom. See, serving is the expression of your calling. Serving is the expression of your calling. Let's talk about your calling for a minute. I heard one pastor say it like this. He said, you know, I'm not concerned about your calling. We see here at the beginning of the verse, every one of us is called. Everyone is called to freedom. Everyone is called to the kingdom of God. Everyone is called to be his disciple, his ambassador. Every one of us is called. I'm not concerned about your calling. I'm concerned about you being sent. I'm concerned about you reaching the fullness of your calling. And what happens with the fullness of our calling is that we, we get called here and we get excited. You ever... You guys remember the story of Joseph? He was so excited about his dreams, right? He was spouting them to everybody. Excited about his dreams. He was called. And we think call, a calling looks like this. We get called, and we walk just like this. Now I'm ready to be sent, and I'm good to go. Not how God does things. That's not how... That, you know what? It's not how he does things, but you know what that is? That's his mercy. Because you know what would happen if we were right there? Woo! Sorry about that. If we went right to there, our gifting would take us to places that our uh, character cannot keep us. What happens in this time right here from A to B is the maturing, the growth, his working on our lives. What happens... In God's way of leading us through this journey is we start with A, and he kind of leads us like this. And then we go like that, and we go like this. Sometimes it's the decisions that we make that lead us 
on a, on a left turn or a right turn, but he kind of leads us in this journey. You guys don't believe me? <laughs> Do you look at, have you looked at a map for the people of Israel and what they did? <laughs> no. He leads us in a journey that wanders and rolling because he's, it's about growing us and maturing us. It's about bringing us from the calling to the place where we can fulfill that calling. You know what the first step on that journey is? That first step right here is serving. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what the context is. That first step is serving him. It's serving in whatever area. Because when you surrender your life to serve and however that looks. Look, I've seen abuse of that. I've seen people who've had to, you know, want to be in the ministry and they have to earn their stripes. I'm not about that. But there is the heart. Because it's not about the outward actions of earning your stripes. That's works, right? It's about your heart. Are you willing to clean the toilets back there? Are you willing to mow the lawn? Are you willing to do help with the kids in the nursery while the little one's sick and puking all over you? Are you willing? It's your heart. Let me say this. I know Pastor Jordan. He's willing. I've watched it for years, for years. He's a model. He's an example to us as a staff because he'll do whatever. So the first step in your calling is to serve. This is where things get a little practical. I want to say this first. Serving is the tool to reach your highest potential. It's not just the first step. It is what's all throughout the journey that we walk through. Without serving, we don't reach who we are supposed to be, what we're called to be. Jesus said it. In the last hours of his life, he told his disciples, you want to be the greatest? Be the servant. Set yourself. You see me? I've served all these people through all these last three years. I've, when I'm exhausted, I heal people. When I'm wiped out, I minister. When I enter in, I'm, I'm seeking and moving with compassion towards people. In this last moment, these last hours, I'm doing the dirty work of the servant to wash your feet. You want to be the greatest? Serve them all. As I was thinking about serving, this picture came to me. And what I saw was a rock being dropped into a pond. A crystal, smooth pond. A rock gets dropped in it. What happens? Ripples begin to come out of there, right? They go from the small, bigger, to the bigger, to the bigger. That's kind of the levels of serving in our life. You know where serving starts? For those of you who are married, that starts with your spouse. For all of us, it starts at home, family, our closest relationship. That's those people closest to you. That's where stir- serving begins. That's where it's refined. That's where it's matured. So we had a marriage conference here a month ago. And uh, my wife and I and I have been together since 2005, since we started the church. And so that's 17 years now. Pretty close. 17 years we've been together. And so we've gone through different things. We've talked about love language. How many know what love languages are? 
So for those of you who don't know what the love languages are, there's, they're basically five categories of how you, you know, describing how you receive love and how you process receiving love. So I'm physical touch. I mean, that's just the way I'm wired. I'm a guy. We knew that pretty early on. It's normal, right? We didn't, you know, we had talked about it lots with my wife, you know, what, what was her real uh, love language. And so through this course, or through this conference, we take a test. I'm sitting here thinking that it's time spent. So I hang around the house. I'm with her. It's acts of service. So I've been working hard for nothing. <laughs> Not kidding. So what do I do? I can change my approach now. I can set myself to serve in my household in ways that I wasn't before. Maybe that looks like the garbage, dishes. Serving our family can look different. Serving Jalen, letting him run the drill press. Playing checkers with him. Sam, it's wrestling that little booker and letting him jump on me. (laughs) Serving our family looks different for each one of us. But when we set our hearts to serve them, that's, that's the foundation. That's where it grows. When nobody's looking... When nobody's watching, it's just those close people that are around you. When we set our hearts to serve, it begins to grow into other areas. Another area to serve is our job. We as Christians are called to excellence. It's going above and beyond in those areas that the Lord's leading us to. Maybe that means you fill up the coffee after you drink the last cup instead of just leaving it there for somebody else. I don't know, something I'm guilty of. Um, But it looks different because we're called to excellence. We as Christians should be the best workers in our occupation because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and we are called to set our hearts to serve those around us. It's It's volunteering, it's serving here at church. We have lots of opportunities for you to get plugged in. This isn't just about serving in these walls, though. This is about serving one another, our relationships here in love. That's what the scripture calls us to. We have tailored there. We've got plenty of areas, plenty of things to sign up for. If something's on your heart and it may not be back there listed, come talk to Pastor Jordan and I. We had a situation last week where that happened. It was an area that we were looking for help in, but we didn't really have it out there. Somebody had the heart for it. We're, we're talking to them about that. There's many opportunities here within the church. It's just another level to serve. He calls us into that level of the community, reaching out into our community, whether that's feeding the hungry, clothing the homeless. Maybe that's getting on the uh, school board at your local school district. Maybe that's volunteering in your kid's kindergarten class to help out the teacher. There's many different ways that this serving looks. But I want to bring it home with this. This is the, this is the last verse that I want to look at real quick. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says this, For though I am free, there's that word again, talking about service. But though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, 
that I might win more. That right there is the bottom line for everything that we're doing. How we treat our spouse is a witness to those who are lost. How we serve at our job is the witness to those who are not saved in our workplace. Reaching out into the community, serving the hungry and the poor, that's a witness. It's all about bringing one more in. The greeters at the door, the worship team up front, the whole purpose is to bring one more into the kingdom of God. It's not about growing a church. It's not about money. It's not about any of that. It is about that soul that walks into the door who is not saved, who's in a hurting spot, who hasn't met the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. Everything we do, our whole lives now, are dedicated to seeing that one brought into the kingdom. You know, I knew a businessman who had the opportunity to travel around with his business. He would be able to go on site to different places. And, and what he looked at with his business is that he looked at it as an opportunity to pray with people, to touch people, to reach people. This man had a His problems were a young man was pouring out his problems, his life towards this, to this man. He was able to pray with him. I believe he got him saved. And invited him to church. This young man came to church. And his life began to change. His situation began to change a little bit. He was so excited, he invited a friend of his. This couple that he knew. And the wife came to church. She began to connect. I believe she said it as she found a place of safety. I like to think it was a, a place called home. She started to come, and her situation began to change. And it began to affect her husband, and her husband's situation was changing. Their life as a family began to change because God was working in their lives. God kept working so much so that they decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to join and serve within this church that we're connected to. What happened as they joined and began to serve is that relationships were built in a stronger, meaningful way. And God continued to work in their lives. They began to blossom more and more spiritually. I had a conversation with this woman this last week, and she was, the joy that was in her voice, talking about how God has blessed her and her family because someone was obedient. How God has worked in their family. Her husband's a completely different man now. Look, I've known and walked with them through the whole entire time. I can attest God has changed their lives and I'm so excited. They've got connected relationally and blossomed spiritually. We never know who we're going to touch when we obey and just do what he's asked us to do. 
We never know the life. See, when this businessman witnessed to this young man, when he prayed with him about the situation he was going in, he had no idea God was orchestrating situations over here in this did. But what God orchestrated wasn't just for this family. It affected the relationships around them. It affected the family of them. It's more than just this couple that have been touched and affected because one person was obedient to light a fire, to light a spark. This morning, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I want to just take a moment and I want to offer if you don't know this freedom that Jesus purchased for you, if you have not experienced that freedom from sin, the freedom from having to work to gain your salvation, the freedom from shame and guilt and condemnation, I want to give you an opportunity right now because Jesus did it once for all. It was complete. There's nothing that you could have done that will not or that will prevent you from being saved. So this moment right now, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand. Surrender your life to him right now. All right. Would everybody sit up, stand up with me, please? I want to pray one last prayer real quick as we close out. I don't know where you're at, but what I would like you, you to do, ask the Holy Spirit right now in this moment, what are you saying to me? You may be in the situation where you've been trying to serve and work to gain his favor and his approval from him. Maybe you're in a situation where you've lost the motivation for love in your life. Maybe you just, he's calling you to engage in different areas, different circumstances. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? My encouragement is listen. <laughs> Something I tell my sons all the time. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. It's really quite simple, but then we have this whole thing, our flesh getting in the way. What is he saying to you this moment? I'm going to pray for you. Just my encouragement. We have those tables back there. If he's speaking to you to get involved here at the church, we have those opportunities available for you. If he's speaking to you to engage outside in the community, in your home, in your relationships, listen and obey. I'm going to pray this morning. Father, I'm so grateful that you speak to us, that you lead us and you direct us by your spirit. Father, right now I pray that we would hear your voice and we would heed your word, and that we would put it into practice in our lives. Right now, I thank you that you're speaking to each one of us. Father, I pray that we go forward, Lord, to accomplish what you are saying for us to do. Thank you, Lord, for giving us direction and leading us. We surrender our lives to you right now. Amen. It's great being with you guys this morning. You know what? I don't get to worship with you guys very often out there without an instrument. It was fun. I had fun this morning. Thanks for coming out, guys. Have a great rest of your day.